Welcome to Real Conversations with Daryl Smith. Our voices, our views, our generation. Let's conversate. Hello and good afternoon, everybody out there. Coming from you again, live from Serendipity Labs in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, this beautiful 85 sunny day. First of all, I want to kick off and say I want to thank everybody for listening to my podcast and supporting me in this podcast and my new endeavor I'm doing right now. And I want to get right into into the first topic about topics that uh, pertains to uh, my generation, Generation X. And I want to talk about an article that I picked up called The Depression Chart Shows the Jaw-Dropping Wealth Gap Between Millennials and Baby Boomers. It does include Generation X in there, too. It was written by uh, Nicole Lynn Peace. I got it off the article on Market Watch. In the article... She talks about baby boomers who were born between 1946 and 1964 at the age of 35 years old, 1990, they collectively own 21% of the nation's wealth. Now, if you fast forward to uh, my generation, Generation X, it says here at the time that we were adults under 40 years old, almost have accumulated less and less wealth over the past 30 years, plummeting from owning 13% of wealth in 1989 to only 7% today. One statistic that I looked at, one thing in the article that I want to touch on, a couple things here I want to really get at and touch on, was first of all, in terms of who owns the uh, percentage of wealth in this country, baby boomers who were born again between 1946 and 1964 own 57% of, of the nation's wealth, while Generation X adults who were born between 1965 and 1980 only own 16% of the wealth. But it gets even worse with the millennials who were born between 1981 in 1996, only on 7%, only on 3% of the nation's wealth. And it ties into a couple of things, I think, because first of all, next point I'm going to mention, it ties into about the amount of student loan debts. Based on the Federal Reserve, it says now that student loan debts has hit a record high, collective high of $1.6 trillion. And also, that means, what I mean is more student loan debt, it means it burdens you down. I mean, baby boomers, when they came out of college, including my dad who came out of college in 1974 and other members who graduated college in the, in the 60s and 70s and early 80s who are part of the baby boomer generation, didn't have nowhere near as much debt as, say, my generation who graduated in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, on now even millennials, generation X and millennials. So when you have that much student loan debt, you have to pay back. It delays you from being able to invest your money into investing more money into your 401k, even invest into stocks and investments, to invest in property, real estate property, uh, commercial property, starting your own business, other things like that that can build wealth for you. So by the time you get older in your 70s and 80s and beyond, you'll be able to have a nice little amount of money you can pass on to your future heirs, future generation, your kids and beyond that. Instead of when you have a settle with a lot of student loan debt, it might take you 20 some years to pay it off. By the time you pay it off, you have to play catch-up to try to get to where you want to be at in terms of building wealth and building assets. And I think that goes back to another thing, too. And I think that with the current education system we have right now, with how student loan, how education is, how much it costs, for instance, to go to Ivy League school, it might cost anywhere from seven, eighty thousand or more a year to go there, or Stanford, or Notre Dame, or prestigious schools, or most even, major, even small universities are now going up in their tuition for going to college. And I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing a de-enrollment, a lack, decreasing enrollment in individuals who are going to college or university because selling with student loan debt and the fact that you're not guaranteed when you come out of school to get a job in your field or even get a good paying job to start paying back your student loans that you have. And then that's one thing we have to examine that too and also examine looking at technical colleges and, and two-year universities and seeing that how effective they can be for individuals who might not, everybody wants to necessarily go to college. So I think this article is very interesting and it breaks down how who owns percentage of wealth. And I think that until we grapple with the issue of looking at lowering 
tuition to go to college to make so it won't be so high that people won't get priced out of going to college education. One. Secondly, to make sure when you come out of college that you have a degree or a program that you came out of your university that will guarantee you to get a nice paying job to start off with to get you on your way to be able to start building a nice future for yourself for now and beyond and the near future for yourself and your family. So yeah, I thought the article, like I said, the article was very good. It brought some very good points and Nicole Reese Peace did a very good job of breaking it down. So now breaks it to my now onto our next segment here. Talking about another important topic is about health and fitness, especially the older you get, especially for my generation, Gen X, I am 41 years old, so I'm in that age group where health and fitness is critical the older you get. There's an article I pulled off called Consumer Research, the Gen X Factor for the American Institute of Cancer Research. It breaks down certain aspects of what Gen Xers look at in terms of what they look at for nutrition and other things they try to do to avoid other diseases like diabetes, heart disease, other things that can come along if you're not at a certain weight that you need to be at. It says here nearly uh, 6 in 10 or 59% of Gen Xers think lifestyle choices have at least some impact on the risk of developing cancer. Also, 33% say they have a great impact. Another thing that's very important here, too, is that 50% uh, say physical fitness, eating fruits and vegetables, and weight loss is another top choice they look at in terms of what they choose to eat and what type of regimen they do in terms of their workout regimen, too. Another thing in the article that I found was very fascinating was that the fact that Gen Xers, they said here, Gen Xers, think they, so they, they learn about potential links between diet and risk of developing cancer. While 31% choose a health care professional and 27% say they they have a trusted health organizations that focus on cancer, such as American Institute for Cancer Research, the article I'm reading that right now, and other sites such as websites, government agencies, and friends and family trailed for far behind. Me personally, during this global pandemic that we had, we started back in March, what I've been doing is I've been doing a lot of walking, a lot of exercise, and I've not been to the gym yet. I've been doing a lot of, I try to exercise and do my walking at least about three or four times a week, minus the fact that it has been very warm and very hot and humid lately. But if I don't get my walking outside, I try to go to the mall twice a week or go to the grocery store and get my grocery shopping in. I try to walk around the store at least about two or three times or the mall about two or three times. to get about at least about close to 10,000 steps a day, and it's been paying off. I went to have my recent doc physical exam last week, Thursday, and the numbers came back very came back excellent, even better than last year. And I say over the last about four or five months, I've lost about, basically about, I would say altogether about 45, 50 pounds in the last five to six months, and I do plan on keeping it up. Another thing I've been doing personally is I've been trying to watch what I eat. And definitely watch what I've been drinking. Try to stay away from the sugary drinks. I try to drink a lot of water, especially right now, being a hot and humid has been lately this last month or so during the summertime. Also try to, if I do anything, I get those little drops of meal. I put in my flavor, my water every so often and do like a couple shots of it, a couple of sprays of it. Mix it up in some water, put it in the refrigerator, get it cool and crisp. And uh, try to drink on that at least about three or four times a day. And that way I don't have to worry about no sugar, no calories and just trying to watch what I eat and try to exercise and try to keep moving as much as possible because that's been a big thing right now during this pandemic. The fact that it'll keep your mind right and keep you from um, having uh, issues of not being isolation because of the fact that a lot of people are still not willing to meet up right now, which rightfully so. I don't blame people for not wanting to meet up right now with the fact that we got this pandemic still out there and it's still in vogue right now too. And I just think overall, what I got from this article is that basically is about making the right food choices and exercise choices, but also keeping things in proper moderation. Just being able to keep moving and keep being physically active is the most important thing to keep you going because if you stop doing physical activity, that's when things start happening. You start packing on the pounds and you start not being as fit and other things are happening. It messes up your mind and also your, not only your weight, but also your mind and your mental aspect too at the same time. And now, on to our final segment of the show. Ta-da-da-da! <laughs> I found another fancy article that I found through on City Life. 
that was written by Mr. Mark Bernard Ackerman. He wrote an article saying top 10 skills Gen Xers have developed to survive life during the COVID-19 pandemic. First thing he uh, listed was self-reliance. And second thing he listed also was time management. He also mentioned number three for workplace flexibility. Number four was resiliency. Number five was efficiency. Number six was uh, collaborative ingenuity. Number seven was technology mastery. Number eight was emotional policy. Number nine was downward mobility. And number 10 was skepticism. Now, look at this article. I can relate to about these things because especially about workforce flexibility. While working for my full-time job, we're not back at 100% efficiency yet back in our workplace while working in the call center for a major bank here in the area. Now, I was working from home actually up until late April, and I'm going back into the office. I've been back in the office since late April up until now. Like I said, we're just in phase one of our plan we had. We we're supposed to be in phase two, but they adjusted some things because of what's going on with the coronavirus or COVID-19. And right now, we still got a lot of people working from home. And I think now that might be the new norm that a lot of companies are going to have people working from home. Half of the workplace work from home and the other half work on site or rotate different days they come in. I think in terms of self-reliancy, I think that's very important too right now, particularly because you have to rely on yourself for the fact that because with the fact that you not, unfortunately a lot of people are getting laid off right now, I think, and also you cannot rely to an income. You have to be able to be rely on yourself or if you're a single person, you might have to go out there and get a second job or maybe hustle or do some other things to keep the money flowing. If your full-time job is either one, downsizing you, unfortunately, or you might get cut back in hours, what's going on. But the fact that the pandemic has really caused a lot of havoc on our economy, not only here, but globally also. I think time management is also very important, not only during the pandemic, but just in general. I think my generation, Generation X, we have been very brought up to believe that time management is it's essential, which I think is very essential to be able to get things done, to manage your time, to put down priorities, what needs to be done first, what needs to be done second, third, and et cetera. And I think during this pandemic, it's even more of a thing you have to utilize to be able to get through during this time right now, not only in the workplace, but just in life in general. And my last point I want to mention about this article that I find uh, very um, fascinating, they mentioned about downward mobility. Meaning that, for instance, instead of being able to have your luxury items that you have, like maybe a Mercedes-Benz or a Lexus or whatever you might have, a Lincoln Navigator, if your finances get to be a little tighter, you might have to maybe downgrade to maybe a Toyota Corolla. There's nothing wrong with that or a Honda Accord or whatever or something that's not as quite as fancy. Maybe you're shopping. You might not go to like the highest end stores like Macy's. You might go to a lower end store, like a middle size store or other things like that. But you have to do what you have to do to survive because the fact that the economy is changing and a lot of people's money incomes has gotten tighter, unfortunately, as I mentioned before, with the layoffs and just a cutback in hours and everything, the pandemic has caused you to maybe rethink your finances and make you think about saving more money and not being as extravagant as you were before until things kind of get back to normal and back to the way things were before. But I think it's a lifelong lesson to have that no matter how things go, no matter how things good are and how things bad are, you always want to make sure you have a good nest egg. I had to learn it myself, too, during this time to make sure to save as much money as possible. So that way, if you have a situation where things might go bad again, you'll be prepared for the, the weather, the storm, as they say. So I think with that said today, as we uh, finish off the show today, I want to thank everybody again for listening to my show. I want to give a shout out to my man, Elsie Fennard, on here producing the show today. Until then, we'll talk again next month. And until then, also take care and keep it classy. I'm out. I'm out.